0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I'm so excited to have this guest on. She's truly an inspiration and lighting up the world with her good vibes, positive energy, and bringing a life to something that is a really hard conversation to talk about, which is eating disorders. Julia Parzik is an eating disorder recovery coach and a body acceptance influencer. She helps women find a healthy relationship with their bodies, food, and fitness, and truly learn to appreciate and accept themselves. She has fully recovered from eating disorder of 10 years and finds strength in vulnerability. This was really a fun conversation for me, and you'll see why. So let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist. I'm so excited to have this amazing guest. It's not very often you get someone who's so normal and and real and regular, and also <laughs> like making huge changes in the world and has over a hundred something thousand followers. It's an honor for me uh, to have you on the podcast, Julia uh, or Fit Fat and all that. and I love yes. that name. I love catchy <laughs> names. Um, and uh, can you introduce yourself? um and who you are and we'll get right into the cool interview.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for that intro. Um my name is Julia Parzik. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. So I work as collaborative care with registered dietitians and therapists um, to help women. Well, I work with only women at this point right now, um, find a healthy relationship with their bodies, um, food with movement. Um, and I'm also a body acceptance influencer. So I partner with brands that are all about inclusivity, diversity, all that good stuff. So
0: That's, that is me. I love that, you know, that, that explanation of how do you become a body movement influencer? That's so You cool. know, <laughs> Like I, I want to be Nike. If you're listening, <laughs> I want to be a, uh, I like to work out sometimes influencer. Yes. There you
1: go. It's <laughs> That's my niche. Thing. That's
0: my niche. I like to work out two to three times a week. Cause I have a dad bod kind of influencer. Um, <laughs>
1: That see that is a niche. You could get a following quite quickly. I'm sure I,
0: I, I've been trying, I've been trying, <laughs> you know, maybe I got to show up my body a little more, but, um, one of the reasons why a <laughs> little baby steps, we got to start a little bit there. One of the, one of the little, the things that I love your, what you do is you bring this very positive energy to something that is really hard mm-hmm. and, and, you know, yep. it firsthand, and I want to just quickly just commend you for a second we're, we're, I'm going to do that a lot uh, is that you said you partner with dietitians and therapists. I love that you said that because I think it's really important that in the wellness world, whether it's life coaches, eating disorder coaches, recovery coaches, um, AA coaches supports all those things. We need to work together for wellness. Yes, and if it's out of your realm, know that and pass it along to someone who it is in your realm. And if it's not, if it is in your realm, great, go for it. How did you find that that balance or acceptance of you know what this is really not for me? I need to pass this on.
1: Yeah, so I work under Recovery Loving Care. She is one of my best friends. Her name is Jane Mattingly. She is a master's level clinician in eating disorder therapy. And her and I have very similar stories in terms of our own eating disorders. And she wanted to create a coaching curriculum. And we both were just seeing, especially on social media, this like coaching world that was kind of like not that great. Like people that weren't qualified to be coaches, people giving information, um, it not being professional. And so we really wanted to make sure that as coaches... Um, we were doing what was in our scope of care, and so we have, um, you know, guidelines that we follow. Yeah. It's all HIPAA compliant software that we use. Really? Um, yeah. So that everything very we do is legitimate. like by the book. It's very legitimate.
0: I love that. You don't hear yeah. that very often. I agree with you. No. One of the re- one of the reasons I you know I talk to a lot of different colleagues and people in the wellness world on the podcast, and I love that you brought that in because there are some coaches out there that are really in it for the money. Mm-hmm. They're not in yeah. it really for the people. And no. if you're going to help someone help someone, don't try to cheat them out of money. Um, that's not yeah. fair or vulnerable people. Right.
1: Right. And our like coaching is pretty affordable. It's a lot more affordable than treatment. Um, but we wanted it to be an affordable, um, recovery for them because eating disorder recovery, a lot of the time it isn't covered by insurance. Right. Um, and, and so we wanted it to be something that they could do in the comfort of their own home with their registered dietitian, with their therapist. So yeah. we always work with, it's like collaborative care. And I never want to yeah. step on a therapist's toes because I know what's what's in my scope of care and I know what's in theirs. And so, um, yeah, I really like how um, by the book we are.
0: It's very good. And you know, and it's not, and I love that, you, that it's a thing because if you look at the, you um, alcohol or drug addiction rehab styles. They also have someone who went through it and mm-hmm. is a peer support or peer supervisor yeah. or peer um, advocate. They have that in mental health clinics. I knew I used to work in a place where they had peer supports. Um, having someone who has gone through it in a similar way, of course not the exact way because no right. one's story is the same. No one's recovery is the same gives a sense of support. But before we get into that, can you kind of tell your story about how it might've started where I know you have it on your bio and the about me sage page on your website. And I read through it and I love it. Uh, But I want to hear it from your perspective of like maybe some things that kind of maybe triggered it and maybe how, what that moment was. Cause I have a question from a a follower for you about that, what that moment was, but what was the story? How did it start? where did it all begin?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Michigan, um, very loving family. My parents are still together. Um, had a really great childhood. Um, I was never really aware of my body as a kid. I was like a really confident, goofy child. Um, but I really struggle with anxiety. My mom does as well. We have a lot of like mental illness in our family in terms of like bipolar anxiety, depression. Um, I also have ADHD. And so growing up, I was just a really anxious kid. Um, And my sister, who is older than me, we look completely different. She is like 5'11", blonde hair, blue eyes, very thin. I'm 5'4", very curvy, like dark skin, dark hair, like just could not be more different. And so, you know, as a sister, a little sister, I like really looked up to her and she got a lot of attention um, growing up when she was in high school. And so I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is what my, my body's going to look like. I'm going to end up looking like her once I go through puberty. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> and yeah, I ended up um, getting called potential in high school because I had potential to look like my sister. And it oh, kind nice. of started... Yeah. Yeah. He was a dick. I punched him in the face (laughs) um, at a football game. Yeah. I stood up for myself because he used to bully me. And so it was kind of around that age of puberty when I started to realize that a lot of the girls around me looked different. I've always been pretty curvy. A lot of my friends are really thin. And I started thinking like, what the hell is wrong with like my body? Like I'm so confused. Everybody else looks really different. And I've like, boobs and a belly and butt. And I'm just like, I'm I'm just built differently. And at that time, like society and media, like the messaging was horrible, like absolutely horrible. It's getting a little bit better, but it was so bad. So, you know, I'm reading about the special K diet and I'm reading 17 magazine about, you know, if you're in a curvy body, they're telling you to wear like one piece bathing suits to like cover up. And so just taking in all these messages, I started to think like my body's the problem Mm -hmm. and we have a history of eating disorders in our family. And so it's, I'm to no surprise, I ended up developing one. Um, and what I, it started as me just like restricting food and like working out a bunch. And I started to lose a bunch of weight and people were like, Oh my God, you look so good. And it like validated my like fear of like, Oh, okay. Like I get attention when I like look better, AKA thinner. And so, um, it started to get kind of out of hand. I, um, started binging and then obviously with binging came the guilt, the shame. And so I started making myself throw up. And so it was this whole restricting and binging cycle. Um, I was bulimic for a while. um, and nobody ever really knew. I was really, really good at hiding it. Um, and eating disorders like thrive in secrecy and isolation. And so I did a great job at like hiding it. I was still fun. I was still goofy. Um, and my eating disorder into college kind of started to look a little bit more like orthorexia. I started just like obsessively clean eating, compulsively exercising. Um, I wasn't making myself purge anymore, but, and, and in my eyes I was like, oh, I'm better. Like I'm healthy Mm -hmm. because society tells us like dieting and like working out and eating clean. I do air quotes is like healthy. And so I was like, nothing's wrong yet. My body image was trash. I was like weighing myself multiple times a day, like constantly body checking, just like having mental breakdowns. If I had to be in a bikini, um, and it wasn't until I was 24. I was living um, in California at the time. Cause I was, I was a teacher prior to this living in Michigan, super miserable, um, broke up with a boyfriend and I decided to move to LA because my sister lived there. Mecca of body image issues and eating disorders. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, if I move here, like, I feel like maybe I should get a therapist for like body image and like anxiety and stuff. And so I decided to seek one out and I remember like filling out the form and it was like about, she used to work at Alsana, a treatment center. And so she, you know, had some questions about eating disorders and I'm filling it out and I'm like kind of skeptical. And I remember thinking like, I, I definitely don't have an eating disorder. I was like a beach body coach at the time I was doing like cleanses and all this shit. And, um, I remember sitting down in her office telling her kind of like my behaviors and like, you know, my body image. And she was like, "Mm, yeah, you definitely still have an eating disorder. And I was like, huh. And I think because at that time it was like either you're bulimic or you're anorexic and you have to look sick. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look sick. I was like, I was never like emaciated. I was never looking like I was malnourished. Um, And so I worked with her for about three years with a registered dietitian. They were good friends and we like worked together and yeah, I can say that I'm fully recovered from my eating disorder now. And so it was, yeah, it was like a 10 year battle though.
0: Wow. And that's, a, that's an amazing story because there's so many layers to that. The reinforcement from society to say, oh, you're pretty now. Like, oh, now you're going to yep. get attention because your body looks a certain way. You know, as a therapist, one of the biggest things that we understand is this reinforcement of behaviors. Mm-hmm. But if you're told that, or you're labeling something as good or bad, And the world around you then reinforces that label that you put on yourself. Why would you believe otherwise? I'm a guy, right? I'm a dude. I struggle with body image issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I I have a chronic illness. I have Crohn's and I wax and wane with my weight. And now I've been gaining a lot of weight and I have a dad bod. Mm -hmm. That's okay. But Mm -hmm. in my head, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I look at all these CrossFit athletes Mark Wahlberg and these beautiful human beings in society and all these things. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? As Mm -hmm. I look down at my belly and I don't have the six pack abs or the muscles on muscles on muscles. And it messes with your head when that one day you put on those pair of pants or that shirt that doesn't fit you. And you're like, oh gosh, maybe I'm fat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I fat? Is something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And then it's downhill.
1: And like the fat phobia we have in our society, it's like, and and that's why I created my my Instagram name, Fit Fat, and all that, because Love I was that. so sick of fat being such a negative word. It is literally just a describing term, just like skinny, tall, thin, like whatever. And yet we use it to like degrade people and cut them down. And I'm like, just because someone's in a fat body literally means nothing about them as a True. human, True. but in in our society. We're told that if you're fat, you're unhealthy, you're lazy, you don't take care of yourself. And so it's like, we do everything in our power to not be that. And then we shame people that are. And it's like, who knows? Maybe there's trauma. Maybe like, I mean, it could be a million different You know different absolutely reasons. nothing about them. Exactly. And it's just, ah, society makes me so mad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, that's why I love having you on this vibe that you bring out is so powerful and so impactful for me as a guy as well. You know, it's I I, I think that body image is not I think it's been associated mostly with women. I think there is men
1: struggle all the time. A
0: thousand percent. I think there's a more I think there's more pressure from society for women to look a certain way to be considered attractive, which I disagree Mm with. Um a thousand percent over. You know, my wife is a dietitian and we talk about this a lot. Mm -hmm. And you know, we talk about body and size and number my wife's biggest thing. And I've got her approval to talk about this anyways, because, you know, she Love it. know. <laughs> um, uh, as long as someone's healthy on paper, their numbers, their, their, their kidneys functioning, their heart rate, their you know, all these, I, my brain just stopped working with physical things, all these yeah. things, <laughs> right? Your, your, your blood pressure, blood your pressure, cholesterol, you your, all, all these things are functioning and your body and your well. The size or number on the scale or the number size you have, clothes, dress, Mm -hmm. pants, skirt, doesn't mean anything. Mm -mm. And we are told that if you are a certain size, well, you can't shop in this store. We don't carry your size.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right?
0: You know, and, and I'm a six foot two, over 225 pound guy. I'm not a huge person. I'm a big guy. I'm okay with that. but. If you go to, let's say, for example, a closed place like Uniqlo, I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hurt you. I love your company. Um, <laughs> they don't so, they don't sell my size in store because Asian men run smaller. Mm-hmm. I'm a white Jewish dude, right? Yeah. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be this big, but I, I, you know, like regarding genetics, but I am right. We don't get taller than six feet. Just we don't play basketball. Yeah. You know, like we don't, It's not just that. It's not in our not in our genes, and that's okay. But it's a weird balance and. For people like you to to share this this perspective, you know I have a daughter. She's 19 months old. I want her mm-hmm. to grow up in a world that's not judging her size. That yeah. when she has nice polkies and like rolls, it's cute and adorable, and we embrace that. Mm-hmm.
1: I refer myself
0: as the comfy one. I'm comfy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? I'm not fat. Same thing. <laughs> I'm comfy. Yeah.
0: And uh, it's the words we use, and the more words that we built into our home and our society. More positive and less, like you said, cutting someone down. But if you look at the world, kids are mean. Teenagers oh, suck.
1: Terrible. I, terrible. I love
0: working with teenagers. They <laughs> suck, and they, they always take on the person who is not "quote unquote" the normal size, mm-hmm. academically, physically, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing. And, and it's all learned. It's it's all learned, mm-hmm. and I think it starts from the home.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, even just seeing like my family is like very welcoming and accepting. Um, but even just like growing up and seeing like certain type of messaging of like my mom talking poorly about her body and like her insecurity being her stomach. And then in turn, that's like my biggest insecurity. And it's just like, it's all learned behavior. And I was like, uh-uh, I want to stop this like generational thing with me because I don't want this to trickle to like my children.
0: But there is, you know, there are studies that show there's cycles of trauma mm-hmm. and there's genetic passing downs of trauma yep. and anxiety, depression, and yep. eating disorders. Yep. And
1: there's it, a lot of it trauma. Could be very, biolo-
0: very biological.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a
0: great book. My Mark Walden, I think his name is didn't start with you. It's called. It's a book mm. about the cycles of trauma. Oh, I
1: love The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, that's a good one. The
0: Body Keeps the Score is the best book on trauma mm-hmm. ever written. So Koke, good. Koch is the therapist in the world of trauma. So um, good. You know, And he still teaches, which is like a cool thing. Oh, I
1: love that. Um,
0: uh, and there's something on your website that you wrote, and I love this line. I wrote it down. Our bodies Ooh. are home. It holds a safe space for our soul, and we need to treat it with respect and take care of it. When I read that line, it hit me so hard in such a beautiful way because you're right we talk about we in society they've used that line as body being like a palace
1: or Mm -hmm. or whatever
0: the word is that they use of like perfection but it's used as a perfection like you need to be perfect because your body is a a you
1: only have one body Yeah, your body's a fortress
0: your body's a I can't like you
1: are what you eat. Yeah. Bullshit, you know, right.
0: <laughs> but you use it in such a positive way. Your body's your home and it holds your inside your soul and who you are. So you should respect it and treat it with mm-hmm. love. And I think as a society, we don't do that where, you know, in the work that you do. And this is the question I got from a follower cool. and some, and something I was going to ask anyways, but thank you anyways. So I'll just say, thank you follower for, for asking <laughs> at what point did you come to that love for yourself? You went through the ten year recovery, right yeah and, and any and not everyone can do that but a lot of people can go to a therapist and go to a dietitian and have a combo, which I think is a beautiful thing your therapist did that's awesome yes shout out to that therapist she's the best but then to then go to the next level of actually loving yourself where's that shift?
1: yeah, so I think honestly, over the last couple years, my like body acceptance has started to shift i I started my recovery um, when I was 24 and I'm 31 now. I just turned 31 on Tuesday and hey birthday. Um, thank you. And honestly, probably probably, 28, 29, 30, now 31 has been the most like self-accepting years that I've ever had. And I think a lot of that sometimes just comes with like maturity and just aging and starting to give like zero facts about what people think of you. Um, But there was a point where I think it was probably about like when I was 27, I had just moved to Denver And I still struggled with body image. And I always tell my clients that like body image is the last and hardest piece of recovery. It's like, what really just like sticks around. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it still comes up for me. I still have bad body days. Um, and for me, it's like what I decide to do with them, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, how am I going to like cope with those bad body days? But it, I had this idea in my head that I wasn't going to be loved unless I had a perfect body. And I, I you know, for so long, I tried to fit into this smaller box that my body was trying to like squeeze into to appease men. And I found myself in shitty situations. I have sexual trauma. I put myself in situations that were unsafe. And I, I have a lot of trauma in terms of um, being with men and relationshiply. And I realized there was like a turning point when I was talking with my therapist, like, wow, I still like was being harassed. I had been raped. Like all of these things, men still treated me like shit. And I was in a smaller body. It has nothing to do with my body in terms of like finding love. And I was like, why am I like trying to fit myself into a box for men that don't treat me well, that only care about my body as like a A vessel for them to, yeah. To just like play with. And I, I'm making myself sick about it. And at that point I was kind of like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to be with someone that doesn't love me for so much more than my body. And I think I kind of released this idea of like needing to like, be a certain size to find love. And once I started kind of like accepting that, like this was just going to be the body that I had and it's going to change. I'm probably going to be a mother at some point. My body's going to start to look different. Yeah. Like lo and behold, I'm at the love of my life who like loves every single part of me. and like, weirdly loves my stomach <laughs> in a way that I'm like, I don't understand, but I'm going to let you love it. <laughs> And I think it's because I I give off this confidence of just self-acceptance. Mm. And like, to me, people that are confident are so attractive and sexy and beautiful and people that are conceited and arrogant and, you know, um, care about people's looks. I'm like, ew, I don't want to spend time with you. And those were the people that I was trying to get attention from. And I was like, mm. those are not the people that I want attention from or that I need attention from. And Fast forward, I started to realize that like, I didn't need to be validated by someone. I didn't need to be like loved by someone to love myself. For Mm. some reason, I had this idea that like, yeah, I was going to be saved by some man. And then all of this like body positive stuff was going to happen. And I was like, well, what if that never happens? Like, what if I don't find someone? What if like, it takes longer? And I was single for six years and being single for six years, Did so much greatness for my like body acceptance because I was like, I've, I've got to love myself. I'm like my first and most important relationship.
0: You hear that here. It's okay to be single. It is. It's okay to accept yourself. You know, that, that thing about your, 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 your partner loving you for everything. One of the most valuable things, you know, I work with couples and individuals and relationships all the time. One of the biggest things that we can do for the person in our lives is show them respect. And love mm-hmm. no matter where they're at and what they're doing When my wife looks at me with a loving face and it's a certain look and i know exactly her mm-hmm. look yep you know exactly what i'm talking about it's a look of wow i love you so much mm-hmm. i can be having the crappiest day i yep. can be having a bad body day as you said i love that <laughs> i could have looked in the mirror and said oh that's what i look like today Mm -hmm. But that look melts everything away because I know there's someone in my corner that no matter what is happening, loves me. Absolutely. And I do the same for her, right? Mm -hmm. I love that line of being pregnant, right? Having, you know, being a mother one day, my wife's body is not the same as it was when we first started dating. And that's Mm -mm. totally wonderful because she freaking carried a human being. And gave right. Birth
1: like we're not cement everything. blocks. Exactly. Of we're <laughs> like not our cement. bodies are meant to move and change.
0: Exactly. So the fact that you, you found that person and the fact that you open up so vulnerably in a way that is like, you know what? I don't need someone because they can all be gone. And even when I had the quote unquote perfect body that I wanted, Ugh, or society told me, I still didn't have love. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. you know, I, I say, I say this story a lot. There's someone that, uh, I'll shout out. Her name is that trendy therapist. I went to college Ooh. with her. I went to grad school with her. Uh, she went through eating disorder as well. And I had her on the podcast. Um, and she now works with eating disorder. And, and um, and I also had a colleague of mine who was a model and mm. in grad school, she came to grad school to be a therapist because of eating disorder in the oh, world yeah. of people that we think have it all figured out when their bodies Those
1: are the most unhappy, the most unhappy.
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. um, it's so interesting to see the other side. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. How do you deal with, let's say, for example, that day, like I said, you, you come and you look at your body in the mirror and you have that moment of like, oh, a bad body day. What do you do to kind of snap back into the healthier thinking? Because we all have those automatic thoughts, whether it's about ourselves, our bodies, our lives, our spouses, our children, our families, we all have those automatic negative thoughts. It's the way our brain works. It sucks, right. but it's how it works. But the key is not that first thought. It's our next action or thought. So what do you do to yes. kind of stop that cycle?
1: And that is one thing my therapist told me that has always stuck with me. And she was like, you don't have control over the first thought that comes to your your brain, but you can Think of something more supportive and positive and affirming after that to support what comes love up for you. Therapist. I love oh, this
0: therapist. Oh, I
1: still see her. We've Good been for together for six years—or no, you. even more. Long. Good. Love her. Um. So. I mean, if there's a day where I wake up and I'm feeling kind of like, meh, I look at my body and actually yesterday was kind of a bad body day. I was just kind of like, meh. Um, what I typically do is I don't body check. What I used to do with my eating disorder is I'd, you know, get on the scale and check my body and like suck in, suck out and like, you know, analyze my body, which is like the last thing you want to do. You do not want to body check. And the biggest thing for me is having like a morning routine. So if I'm having a bad body day, I either want to start my morning with like meditation, with movement, maybe going for a walk, journaling, some type of self-care, having like a cup of tea, something that's really soothing for me. I love my office. My office is like my safe space. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, And so like, I have some pillows behind me. So sometimes I'll just like put a pillow on the ground and listen to some really Mm. calming music for my like self-care playlist and just kind of like set the mood for the day. Um, And then what I do is I put on really comfy clothes. So the last thing I want to do is put on something tight. I'm not going to put on jeans. I'm not going to put on something with like too tight of a waistband. I want something that's like flowy and comfy. So I don't draw awareness to like my body and like those parts that are feeling a little bit uncomfortable. It's also,
0: you're not drawing internal awareness,
1: right? right? Exactly. Most
0: people don't realize what you're going through inside your head or even notice that your body or you're feeling that way about your body. But when you're wearing that tight shirt or that tight thing, you're constantly pulling and playing and it constantly So uncomfortable. You. It reminds you, oh, I really don't feel well about myself. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I put on something that I know I like, that feels comfortable, that feels good. Maybe I'll do like my hair, makeup and just like kind of put myself together, give myself like a little bit of like, you know, a pep talk. Um and then I I try and go about my day um as I normally would. Um in the past like I would you know, remove myself from social interactions with friends, I would isolate myself. So, you know, maybe I'll reach out to a friend and ask to grab coffee. I'll tell Carl that I'm having like a bad body day and he'll, you know, give me an, and ask for some extra love today. That is one thing I've learned in a relationship. It's okay to ask for extra love. Oh, love that. Um, because in the past I was like, Oh, like, he's going to think I'm like nasty and insecure for like having a bad body day. And now I'm like, Kind of having a bad body day. Can you please give me some extra love and affection today? And he's like, hell yeah. So oh, um really great. just like communicating about how I'm feeling. Um, and then I just maybe watch like a funny show or you know, do something that lifts up my spirit. And then I just tell myself no feelings permanent. Like I'm not stuck here. I've had plenty of like great body days. I've had plenty of bad body days, but we're not like stuck with where we are. And the more I try to escape what I'm feeling, the longer I'm going to sit in it. So I just acknowledge that like today's a bad body day. I'm going to have some grace and compassion for myself and hopefully tomorrow, or maybe in a few hours, I'll feel a little bit different. And then I just try to move on.
0: Wow. There's so many nuggets of, of amazing gold in that, in what you just said about Basically you're you're really tapping into the idea of of letting yourself feel, but mm-hmm. not but realizing that feelings don't last forever. Yes. And you can let it go. Mm-hmm. And it might be a day or two, but it's not going to be forever. And you yes. might and the more you live in that feeling, the more you focus on the feeling, the more it will be there. Yep. That that's not great for you. And and kudos to Carl, right? His name's Carl.
1: Yes, he's the best. Kudos. Carl with the that.
0: Heck yeah, I'm gonna give you love. We all deserve a partner like that. Um and, you know, there has been a shift in trend uh, of, from the society, whether it's models and companies and organizations, even Barbie, right? Yes, that was like I the know. epitome of, like, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful, cur- you know, the perfect, which was not really perfect, and the thigh gap and all that ridiculous stuff, you know, and yeah. all that focus stuff. And you, write, you talk about that you really focus on health at every size.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you... Deal with someone who struggles with body image. You know, I don't know if you watch This Is Us.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Right, and you look at Chrissy. I don't know her name in the show. I forgot her name. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the other person in the group who's who's thin, mm-hmm. and they're struggling with the same things as someone who is who's heavier on the heavier side. Um, how do you, in your mind, deal with the health at every size when you have been through the journey of the size that you're at, or the size that yeah. you're going through?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, and I think like, especially in that show, we have to acknowledge that there's like a lot of thin privilege, you know, in, in terms of what the other girl is feeling. Um, I definitely struggled with that growing up, um, because I had a couple other friends that also had eating disorders, but were also in very, very, very thin bodies. And for me, I couldn't wrap my head around (laughs) the fact that I was like, you were literally in a tiny ass body. I'm actually the one that like is being bullied. And it was really, really hard for me to grasp this idea that like eating disorders just don't discriminate and that like we can all internally struggle. We all get the same messaging from society. Body dysmorphia is a real fucking thing. And it's in the DSM.
0: It's a a diagnosis.
1: It's so wild to me. It is so wild to me. Um, And so I think acknowledging, you know, like where there is thin privilege and also um, where there's a lot of like fat phobia in our society and that we have to acknowledge that like People that are in thinner bodies, yes, they can 100% struggle with eating disorders, no doubt. But we're also missing this like huge demographic of people like that are binge eaters that are in fat bodies that like aren't getting the help that they need because they're looked at as just like fat and unlazy when binge eating disorder is just as serious as anorexia and bulimia. And it's not really talked about. And so what I, you know, work with my clients on is trying to strip this idea that we need to like, look a certain way to be healthy. And it's going to be really hard because all the messaging around us tells us completely different. And it's like really turning inward to find that like self-assurance, that self-worth and like not finding that external validation, which is so fucking hard. Um, But even me, like I'm in a privileged body and I get fat shamed all the time. And I'm like, what? Like our society is just like so skewed. Because the average size woman in the United States is like a size 16. And I'm like, why aren't we talking about the fact that most women are in plus size bodies yet mm. we're like not,
0: I didn't know that we're not.
1: Yeah. We're not making clothes for these women. I would have guessed I
0: would have guessed six or eight. I would have guessed six or eight.
1: Now the majority, like the average size woman oh, is wow. like a size 14 or 16.
0: That's amazing to know. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. So it's so important to hear that.
1: I don't even know if I answered the question. I just kind of. I don't of went care. Off on a tangent. You, did great.
0: you I don't care. You don't have to answer my questions. You're you're talking great. You're you're wonderful. Um, you did. You did. You answered beautifully. You okay, ba- cool. and 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 then when it comes down to that, you know, when I when I look at society, you know, and I look at let's say for example TikTok or even social media Ugh, reels, right? The people, get, the people that get The people that get the most views are the ones that look a certain way. Yep. Absolutely. You yourself post really awesome pictures on your Instagram. How do you deal with haters? How do you deal? Because you know what? There are probably no matter how many followers you will have. And I hope you have so many more. I hope you go millions and above to make a change in this world. And I think it's really important. You're doing an amazing job already. And you're already making an impact with close to 150, right? 150 K. Um, Not that that number really matters, but it shows that you're doing something great. But it's cool, yeah. It's really cool. I hey, I wish I'm saying it here. If you want to, if anyone wants to follow me now, I have 100k. (laughs) I'm totally okay with that. I accept it. Thank you for following me. But (laughs) with that being said, being in the light, being in front of people is a very vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. What if you could talk about vulnerability in your space in social media and opening up about some real hard things? And then getting backlash for it and hatred for it. How do you balance those two things? Because vulnerability is needed for health. Yeah. Then if you get beat up about it, how do you then keep going?
1: Yeah. So Brene Brown is like a God to me. Hail Brene Brown. Do you know when I wrote this,
0: (laughs) I literally said she's probably going to talk about Brene Brown. I'm not even kidding. I love
1: her. She is uh, Every human should love her. Yeah. She talks so much about vulnerability. And for me, it's like, when I first started my Instagram, I received a lot more hates. Well, no, I think the hate was a lot harder for me to receive because I wasn't as confident as I am now. And for me, my platform wasn't to get likes. It wasn't to get follows. It wasn't to like be an influencer. My platform originally started as it being kind of like, a healing process for me and accountability.
0: Like a journal. It was like a journal. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. So
1: I was sharing my recovery process and, you know, people were liking it and, you know, were resonating. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just like a community of women that are struggling with the same things as I am and they love it. And I really wanted to create my Instagram to be supportive for the the women and girls that maybe didn't have someone that was their size, that was confident in their body. Like if I had someone like me, not to shoot my own horn, but if I had someone like me that I saw on Instagram when I was younger, maybe I'd feel a little bit different about my body and maybe I'd feel okay in the body that I had. And now when I get hate, like it, it's such bullshit. It actually happened today. I got a bunch of dick pics from a guy and I tried to report his account. Nothing happens yet. Like a girl's nipple gets like reported and like fat bodies get removed off Instagram. It's just, it drives me insane, but now when it's, it's annoying, but now when I get hates, I'm, I feel like I'm at a really secure space to acknowledge that like Misery loves company. And if some stranger wants to come to my page and hate on me because they think my belly rolls are gross or cellulite is unhealthy, A, they're either uneducated. Well, they're most likely uneducated (laughs) about eating disorders and body image.
0: Most hate comes from from lack of education.
1: Yeah, complete ignorance. And so acknowledging, like, this person is not worth the argument. Sometimes I do argue, though. Um, And then... Like this has got to be a really unhappy human and how much like anger and sadness this person must be feeling like that sucks for them. And to come at it from a place of compassion and being like, that really sucks for you to have to cut someone down that feels good in their body to make you feel better. And I don't get as much hate as I I used to because I don't give in to what the trolls want. They want you to be hurt. They want you to be sad because misery loves company and I'm not looking to hang. So yeah. And vulnerability, I I mean, I have a little sign here that says vulnerability is a cornerstone of confidence. (laughs) It's literally the thing I see when I sit down and it's so true. The more you can step into your vulnerabilities and your power the less shame you're going to feel because you're going to notice that like other people feel the same way you feel. And it gives people an opportunity to like create community with each other and like support one another and be communicative with each other. And so for me, vulnerability, like I can't look back to what I used to do because I was in a shame shit storm and just was completely alone and isolated. Now I'm like, here's my shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have like a wonderful life because of how vulnerable I am. So for me, like vulnerability, I mean, it's the only way to like create connection with people.
0: Yeah. And I, I no, I, I think it's really important to be authentic. It's one of the biggest things that why I started doing the things on my podcast and why I, I post on Instagram and social media is from a male perspective, being a male therapist, there's not a lot of voices in the male therapy nope. world. Um, talking about body image, fatherhood, parenting, marriage, Love that. all that stuff is truly important. And and it's not that I'm doing anything ridiculously out of the box. It's there. People mm-hmm. just aren't talking about it. Yep. Well, and same thing for you, right? Not not to bring you down, but like you're no, just no, no, talking about something that's just there.
1: People literally say, like, oh my God. So grateful for you, and I was like, I'm literally not doing anything wonderful. I'm just talking about shit that we should talk.
0: And you didn't invent like a time machine that's like, (laughs) (laughs) wow. Like you're just like, this is something that's actually happening in the world, and this is how I feel, and this is how other people feel. Welcome, and everyone's like, and good. It it, it gives a platform for people to feel connected.
1: Yeah. At what point did you notice?
0: At what point did you notice? Because you know you, you you build up, right? Your 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 platform builds. Where you're like, oh wow, like yeah. I, I have I have a voice, and then you get reached out by companies and and podcasts, mm-hmm. and then you have your own podcast, right? Not your average woman,
1: not your normal woman. I know yes. with an, an X
0: with an X somewhere and with the... an
1: X for women. Yes, we have not done it in a while because we've been so busy. But you know what?
0: We've got. i like, all God, be so lucky so... to be busy. <laughs> right?
1: Um, But like, at what
0: point did you notice, wow, I really have a platform to help other people.
1: So honestly, last year or no, I met Carl. I'm remembering this because I remember he was like, oh my gosh, you're an influencer (laughs) when he, when we first met, but I had only, I only had like 40,000 followers at that point. And this was like the end of 2018. And so in, or no, 2019, 2020 my shit blew up. I think because people were home. Um, I, I think I just started to share even more of me authentically and genuinely. And I feel like once you kind of get on that role, then people just start showing up. And I realized when I hit like a hundred thousand, I think it was like last, last summer, I was like, Holy shit. Like I had no idea that I would ever have this many people following me. Carl even was like, you have like multiple stadiums of people like watching. If you just shit. think
0: if you really think about that, someone pointed it's it out weird. I was I was like having some self-doubt about what I was doing. And I have, I don't know, and now I have over 1500. It's not a lot, but if you just but took a if you just like took a, a break, significant amount. Imagine 1500 people coming to hear you speak at a seminar. Right. That's I a lot of freaking people.
1: I would shit my kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. You would you I would, would kill, kill it. Lose-
1: I would, would lose my shit.
0: <laughs> but like, that's a huge, unbelievable platform that you have yeah. to help because, you know, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective. I don't think people talk about men's body image as much. No. I think it's, a, I think it's assumed that we're good when we're not. Uh, I think there's a lot of body image issues in the men's world, which I like to talk about a lot. Love that. You struggle with a lot of people. It is something that not people deal with because like you, believe yourself have eating disorder recoveries. And they're being vulnerable and open. Mm-hmm. And you don't see men on here like, yeah, you know, I have an eating disorder. They barely talk about the fact that anything, any emotion. Right. Yeah. So Super good luck private. getting a guy do that. <laughs> um, which is why I really went into the mental health world. So really, we need more men. Of that. but I think it's so impactful that you truly are opening a door for girls and women to look at themselves at every size. No matter the change that happens, I love that you said we're not cement blocks. We change and we're not <laughs> it's so it's so impactful to hear that and to see someone embrace themselves, whether it's in a bikini, lingerie, or whether it's everyday clothes, yeah, whether it's in private or in public is my point to yeah. be able to truly embrace who you are. And I want to make this point, and you said it a little bit. It doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days, and that's okay,
1: yeah. oh, yeah. The Happiness Trap was like one of my favorite books.
0: Oh, it's the best.
1: It's so good. I love all their tips and tricks. Um, but for me, I was like constantly chasing happy. I was like sold, like, if you get thin and if you're skinny, so much is gonna happen and for you. You're you gonna be successful. <laughs> yeah. All of these things, it's gonna be wonderful. And I got there and I was like, this is kind of lonely, and like, I'm depressed. <laughs> like, this isn't great. <laughs> yeah. And so once I realized like, okay, there are gonna be shitty days. I don't have to be happy all the time. I don't have to feel great all the time. And like work with my anxiety, work with my body image issues, work with what's going on and just acknowledging it, I was like, okay, this shit's gonna move through me a little bit quicker than before.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could talk about this for hours. I really could, because this is such an important topic to really get to the idea of what it means to be healthy. And yeah. I, I think to sum it up, being healthy means to embrace who you are, Mm
1: -hmm. live
0: your life. You know, my wife's a huge fan of the intuitive eating mindset of Mm -hmm. dieting, right? That you eat what you want when you want it in moderation. It doesn't mean go crazy on that cake. But if you want two pieces of cake, three pieces of cake, you eat those freaking pieces of cake because you're going to be happy. And then then don't think that you're going to have to work out 45 minutes with some insanity, beach body, Peloton, whatever (laughs) thing. Hey, I went through the beach body insanity stuff. I loved (laughs) it when I did it. And now I can't believe I ever did that. Uh, I love you, Shanti. Really, I think you're a great person. (laughs) You seem like a really good person. I would love to meet you. But um, that being said, it's really about embracing your decisions and being happy with those decisions. Absolutely. For the the people who are, you know, to wrap up last question, for the people who who are going through it, or either either starting off in their eating disorder right in the middle of it or at the end of their recovery what are some like words of encouragement that you can kind of give to someone who feels lost in this in this struggle that they're going through that you know and have seen firsthand
1: yeah you're going to feel lost like that's just kind of the the journey of recovery i always tell my clients like if it was some linear upward struggle, that would be wonderful and great, but it's like a scatter plot, And there were many days where I was like, I feel like I'm worse off than where I started. Um, and know that it gets messy and it's, it's scary. And sometimes it can feel lonely, but you're never alone. And that's why like having a support team or a therapist or a dietitian, or just a good friend, that's going to support you. Like talk about how you're feeling because the more you can talk about it, the more you can like work through your shame and insecurities and your anxieties and know that there is an end in sight. I promise there's an end in sight. And there is a community of people who love their bodies, no matter what size they are and are all about intuitive eating. So come join us.
0: Where can people find you? Cause you, I I know you, you uh, have an Instagram clearly, Um, but where can people find you? What are the tags? What are the websites that they can reach out to you, work with you? get support from you, all those wonderful things.
1: Yes. My Instagram is fit, fat, and all that. And my website is also fitfatandallthat.com. Um, I have a little club called the good juju gang. Um, it's an $11 a month subscription to get added to my close friends on Instagram for exclusive content. It's really fun. Um, and I'm currently doing a course right now called self-love junkies that will be released again this summer, which is all about like self-acceptance, body image, all that good stuff. If you're not ready for, like one-on-one coaching. Um I also do one-on-one coaching, but I have a wait list, but you're more than welcome to be added to it.
0: I love what what's the Juju gang? What does that mean?
1: The good juju gang. Um, so you know Julia? how you
0: have
1: yeah Julia. Yeah, but people call me Juju. So that's
0: a great nickname.
1: Yeah, the good juju. So oh, no, it's no. like a little exclusive group for like Body image tips, recipes, music, podcasts, everything mm. kind of like a little exclusive that I don't share um, with everyone else on Instagram. It's like a little exclusive group um, and different content that they get for $11 a month.
0: That's a very cool concept. I love that. Idea. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for really making the time. I know you're a very uh, busy person. Thank uh, you for and having me. I really me. appreciate you being so vulnerable and being there for people like myself, all the people in the world that need that little extra day love in their day or extra kind of push that makes them feel like they're okay where they're at. And that's wonderful. And uh, it really uh, shows that people can make a huge difference. And it means a lot that you're there for people.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so wonderful. This was so fun.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist Podcast. It was truly an honor to have such an influencer and an amazing human being on the podcast. I know it inspired me a lot. It gave me some hope and some good vibes that I need because I myself, a man, struggle with body image issues, which I talk about openly a lot because it isn't just bound to women, body image, viewpoints, disordered eating, and even eating disorders. Across all boundaries, no matter what gender, sexuality, religion, or culture you come from. That is the truth. And Julia was and is the truth about this and is so fun and so amazing to talk to, so honest, so real. You have to check her out on Instagram. And if you need extra help in your recovery eating disorder, reach out to her or anyone that you feel would be helpful on your journey to recovery. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check out all the show notes for ways to reach out to her. And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, comments, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And see you next time on The Dude Therapist Podcast. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist And it only is happening because of you, the listeners tuning in every week, even twice a week to this show, all about mental health relationships and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on, I truly appreciate it because that's what make this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist podcast. So we've got more guests, and more great content coming your way.